Welcome back, everybody, to We Are TPM with myself, Kyle Teixeira. Sitting next to me again is John Teixeira. And this week, we have a guest with us, Trevor Kerr with Gateway Mortgage. Thanks for joining us, Trevor. How are you guys? Doing great. Appreciate having you in. This week, we, as promised, are going to be talking about loan assumptions with Trevor here to uh, help give us the details on that and give us a little market update on uh, the you know, mortgage market, I should say. And the real estate market, I guess, at the same time. So yep. If you guys have any questions about any of this, want to connect with us or connect to Trevor, give us a call, 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email, show me the money at wertpm.com. Let's assume we're talking about loan assumptions, uh, right? The pun, oh, the pun starts. <laughs> the I love pun it. starts. All hey, right. hey, you know, Trevor, the reason why we wanted to talk, we needed to get a market update from you, but, but it's... The market is ripe again for certain things that we used to talk about a lot. And, you know, we did, we did a show, we did a podcast last week on subject twos, which really hasn't been a thing for quite some time until recently. Um, assumptions kind of falls in that, in that category of, of creative financing things that are yep. coming back. It is something because that of the market, it is something that we definitely need to be keeping an eye on that we're seeing a lot more. You know, assumptions haven't been around for about 18, 19 years now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Due to where market rates and stuff were at that point in time. But right now, assumptions is definitely something that people need to consider. It doesn't help the lender at all <laughs> doing these assumptions, but it is a smart thing for your clients. To be aware of and no options on, okay? A lot of people don't really know how an assumption works, but an assumption basically comes down to whatever that current seller has as far as a interest rate on a mortgage and stuff, their loan may be assumable. And I say Mm -hmm. maybe. There's a lot of loans out there that don't allow assumptions, okay? But for the most part, all government loans do allow assumptions. That's okay. The rule, general rule. Of thumb general rule. They're called yeah. qualifying assumptions. Qualifying right? assumptions. Yep. Yeah. And so, at that point in time, you know, the seller, we need to get in contact with the seller's lender, find out, you know, is their loan assumable or not, and if it is assumable. It is definitely something that they need to probably look into, you know, because who knows, they might have that beautiful 2%, (laughs) you know, high 2% interest rate or three or four or something that's a lot lot better than what the current market rates are. Yeah. A lot of those rates can look good right now. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, and, and thinking practically about it, as we come out of a seller's market, and into a more neutral market, and maybe who knows, we may ev- even slide into a little bit of a buyer's market here. If that happens, then we are going to be in a position where people are actually going to be looking for these opportunities. Because if I'm if I'm a seller and I've got two buyers in my neighborhood for homes, but I've got six homes on the market. That's a pretty competitive market. I need to find a way to make sure I'm one of the two that's chosen. And one of the ways you can do that is knowing whether you've got an assumable loan or not and actually marketing that. Most most definitely. uh, That's going to help one seller stand out from another seller a lot at that point in time is they can market their home as, hey, I have a three and a quarter percent assumable loan, you know. You have two houses sitting next door to each other. One of them has a three and a quarter percent assumable loan, and the other one doesn't have that. And they're having to go out and get their current 
you know, six point eight seven five percent interest rate. Obviously, a buyer is going to look at that one. Oh yeah, I want that house, even though <laughs> that that one doesn't have the fancy tile that I wanted like the other house, but that one has a three and a quarter rate. You know mm-hmm. that I can assume. So let's talk about how that would work, Trevor. Let's say I have that that scenario. I've got one at three and a quarter. I want to sell my house for let's say five hundred thousand, and I have a I have a $350,000 note that you can assume. Uh-huh. What does that look like at closing? What's that look like? So a couple different things. You know, obviously, they have to contact that lender, go through the credit qualifications and stuff with that mm-hmm. current mortgage servicer. Okay, you can't go do a new loan and assume that loan with a different lender, but yeah. they go to that current mortgage servicer, you know, once they know it's an mm-hmm. assumable loan, do their credit qualifying and stuff. They can only assume that exact loan. So like John was saying, they owe 350 on it. The seller's selling, you know, for 500. You're going to have only two kind of options. They're either going to have to come out 150k cash, mm-hmm. okay, to pay that seller the remaining balance off, okay, you know, from their sales price and then they assume that loan. Or there are some secondary loan products where you can go get a second loan, okay? You know, depending on LTVs and stuff, you're not going to be able to do 100% financing, okay? So you're still going to have a down payment, but you might be able to go pick up, you know, 100,000, 100 grand grand on a second loan. Because most people buying that house are going to have to pay, they're going to be paying a 20, 25% down payment payment. anyways. Sure. So you're already planning to bring a significant amount yeah, of money you know a hundred thousand or in something scenario, so in this right. scenario you'd have to bring 150 but that's a lot better than well and it know. could work well for investors too because you have you know they could be wanting to buy this house all cash and now have the option of you know half of this can be financed at a good rate where they were only not considering financing mm. because you know the rates suck right now yeah so, yep. spending too much on their money no, it, it, it's just something that the general public needs to know about. You haven't had a lot of information out there, you know, recently or over the last, you know, 18, 19 years because we haven't seen them. There was no really purpose for them because you know, interest rates were so low. Well, and it, it can be a, a piece of the transaction that's actually valuable to the seller. Oh, know? yes. I could, Very valuable you can to be, the seller. Yeah, I can offer you financing you can get nowhere else. Uh, depending on the portion of it, right? Sure. But, you know, you might even get more out of your sales price for and, that. And be very valuable for the buyer, too, yeah. you know, potentially. And then let's think about it from an investment standpoint. For investors are always looking at their bottom line. They're looking at their cash flow. They're looking at their ROI, all those things. This directly affects their monthly cash flow enormously. Sure. And so if I'm, a, if I'm an investor and I'm looking to put, let's say I'm looking to buy another SFR, single family residence, mm-hmm. and I've got, you know, X amount of dollars to do that. And I have an opportunity to buy one with a low interest rate and assume that thing and then just pay cash for the rest of it or whatever it is. I'm going to do that all day because my cash flow on that house versus me put getting a traditional loan on it is going to be enormously different. Oh, yeah. Well, and and tying it into what the subject two we talked about, not that we want to bring all that back up, but some of the cons of subject two are the risks, the risk portions as far as not not actually having the loan in your name, but having the deed in your name and all that. Uh, 
this kind of gets rid of that. It structures mm-hmm. the deal very similar, um, but gets rid of that that risk. All those, yeah, sure. yeah. There's those, none of those, those risks. caveats, yep. or the due on sale clause, all that stuff. So, yeah, um, we talked about, and we tied that in because we talked last week a lot about how the similarities between assumables and subject twos and what the differences were and and so forth. And so, um, thanks for tying all that th- tying wrapping that up for us, Trevor. No problem. Um, and going through that with us, you want to. Well, follow-up question. Have you done any loan assumptions lately? Ooh, good question. No. It, the loan assumptions and stuff, me being a lender and stuff, that happens all on the, on the secondary servicing side. Servicing side yeah. So I don't have really anything to do with any of the assumptions. But <laughs> yeah, you I know, our, I know our servicing department has already started seeing quite a few assumptions. So the loans you've originated Answer. quite possibly could have been – quite possibly have been assumed. Most You definitely. just wouldn't know it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's specify a little bit more the, the, the general rule of thumb there of government loans. Like so you got the, the three most people know are FHA, conventional, VA, you know, all that stuff. So USDA loans okay. and stuff are – USDA loans are assumable loans. VA loans are assumable loans. FHA loans are assumable loans. Most conventional loan products are not assumable. That's, that's so Fannie Mae, Freddie so. Mac, don't allow assumables. That's correct. Okay. What, what about conventionals through Gateway Mortgage? <laughs> Those are still <laughs> Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Yeah. <laughs> so – well, good question. So, I, I mean, this was a this was a simple this is a simple topic because it's it's very straightforward as far as the what yeah, and just, the how. You just got to do it. The one thing that I would encourage, if you are selling your home, I would look into before you you know put your house on the market. Definitely, you know, look see if your loan is assumable because, like you said, that's going to make a seller stand out. You know, from the other sellers out there. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine having one of these? Uh, uh, Texas vet sellers that that got in when Texas vet was even better than VA oh, yeah. and, and they were getting them for like 2% or something. Imagine running across one of those. Yeah. And <laughs> you might just buy that house just because gracious. of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And then on the buyer side, I mean, it could there's scenarios where it could help you qualify for a house you otherwise wouldn't qualify for. Because in that same example of 500,000, if you have the 150 to put up, but you Good don't point. qualify for that 350 loan at 6.7, you may qualify for it at the three that you're assuming. Oh, yeah. So the monthly payments significantly different. So. Sure. Back to buying more house, right? Yeah. So we're, so if we, if we put that to bed, where are interest rates going? What's the market looking like, Trevor? Interest rates and stuff right now, you know, depending on loan program and credit scores and stuff, interest rates are in the high sixes, low sevens, depending on what kind of loan product and credit scores and qualifications you have, you know. So they were earlier this year, they were anticipating rates coming down towards the end of this year and getting closer, you know, to the low sixes and stuff i that has been adjusted a little bit i don't think we're going to see that Mm -hmm. this year okay (laughs) i think rates are going to stay roughly where pretty consistent where they're at right now okay and they are still anticipating which next year's an election year it's not a matter if it's going to happen election years rates always come down Mm -hmm. they always want to make Look a little bit better during election years. Yeah. Well, and, and really, there's we haven't had any major economic changes. No. Um, and really, until that happens, we're not going to see much much movement. Is yeah. what's expected. Yeah, so. not much movement in the in the interest rates and stuff over the rest of this year. Now, next year, they are anticipating rates coming down. You know, 
down in the mid fives and stuff. So something to look forward to. But the one thing that I encourage people to kind of, you know, have some more knowledge on a lot of people are sitting there and might be saying, well, okay, then I'm going to wait until next year to buy this house. Okay. Or look for my house before I do that. Okay. I strongly encourage people to start thinking about what they're doing on that because I would not recommend doing that, okay? Buy your house right now, okay? Even though you might be paying $200 more a month, okay? When you add that up, $200 more a month, okay, over the next year or so, you, sure, you're going to pay an extra $2,500, $2,500 more in interest at that point in time. That doesn't, I mean, doesn't make people happy, you know, mm-hmm. on there. But $2,400, $2,500 over the next year or so, not a big deal, even if it takes two years. Okay, so now you're, you at know, least you're building wealth. You're five in your house. grand. You're building wealth in that house, and if you wait until rates come down next year in the mid fives, this market's going to change again, and everyone's going to flood back in the market, and those prices are going to go way up. So now all of a sudden you're paying thirty, forty, fifty grand more for that house when you could have had that same house and paid an extra four to five grand in interest. So why not buy this house right now? Refine. You can always refinance. And if the experts you can always are telling you that, yeah. you know, like, it, and how far back do we have to go to to show that that mindset was right? You know, I need to wait till next year. Like, yeah, you have to go really far back, probably to 07, 06 to even no, make that. Back yeah, that. Far, further yeah. back than that. But I think yes, going to it, the 90s. Yeah, it, it happens all the time. I mean, if you look over history and stuff, you know. It's smarter to buy your house right now, pay that extra four or five grand, you know, two to five grand in interest than it is to wait until this market changes again and interest rates come down. Because as soon as that does, this market's going to be flooded again and prices are going, going. yes, prices are going to go way up. And now all of a sudden you're going to pay 30, 50 grand more for that house when you could have paid four or five grand more in interest. And we saw this all in 2021. I mean, this, people didn't just have to wait a year now they're waiting through this market because they got priced out they wanted to wait for prices to stop going up and didn't realize that interest rates had a way bigger impact than those the price of houses um on affordability so a year later they can't afford those same houses which which is really the problem and like you're saying it's just gonna the the balance between prices going up and interest rates going down you know you're not going to find a happy medium Mm. but you can you can't just purchase the house and plant the seed like we always say. Yep. Start paying it down. So I don't know why I'm here, y'all. You look like you had something to say. <laughs> I don't know why I'm I have here. no idea what no idea why I'm here. Every time I have something to say, y'all y'all just steal my thunder and you take it and and uh, we're all on which is a testament to the fact that all three of us are on the same page. We all understand this wealth building thing exactly the same way. And that's what we try to do, Kyle. We try to come here, we try to tout that and and send the same message, right? Every single week, no matter what. This is about building wealth with real estate. It works no matter what you're doing, how you're doing it. Don't get lost in the details. Get over the interest rates. The interest rates are still below historical average. They're just way above memorable average is what <laughs> really what it comes down to. But um, but get over it. Just if you if you want to be a real estate investor, be a real estate investor and do it and get in. Um, if you have an opportunity like the assumable that we talked about, then take it. That's great. But to Trevor's point. Don't get all wrapped up in the details, the monthly payment, the interest rate, all that stuff. All that stuff works itself out over time. 
and it's changeable too. Very well said. Yeah. I mean, see, you got that's your just, you got just, your thunder in there. I just here. summarized everything that you guys <laughs> said, and that's why we've been talking a lot about creative financing is because as the market changes, there's ways to still make it valuable, right? And it brings up to mind when we had Trevor here about a year ago, almost a year ago exactly. God, is that uh, long ago? We need to have you here more often. It was this time last year we were talking time about flies. arms. Yep, and. <laughs> I, just for that I reason, I want to bring up the question of, uh, is that still the product you want to focus on? No, no. Arms, arm rates right now. Legs? And Can we stuff. talk about legs? Legs? Legs. Legs. I don't have any legs. No? For I think you used mortgages. that one a, a year yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a year. They, yeah. They've forgotten about that. So. That um, I'm sorry. At this point in time. back to adjustable rate mortgages. Sorry. Yeah. The, the ARM product, the adjustable rate mortgages and stuff, it's not something that I'm recommending and stuff for my clients right now. Just mm-hmm. because the way those are priced right now, the ARM rates and stuff are almost the exact same as a 30-year fixed. So yeah, and when we're topping, no reason. When we're likely topping out on rates, it doesn't yep, make as much exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah. So, so should we geek out a little bit on the loan thing just for the people that understand it all? Go ahead. Yield spreads? Yield spreads. Yield spreads are kind of the reason why all that's happening, right? Yeah. So the, I know that that's going to be difficult for the people that don't understand yield spreads, but for the people that do, that's kind of like how a mortgage company, like a back-end payment, it's a it's a way that mortgage company gets paid for setting up a loan on the back-end from, what do we call from it, the lender. Bay, from Freddie the lender. Right. From the lender and stuff. Right. So yes, the yield spread premium and stuff is really essentially how the lender makes money. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when when rates were lower and stuff, the yield spread and stuff was much higher. Where you could, you know, the well, difference between... That. The reason why they were higher was because the lender knew that you would never refinance yeah, that you're loan. Not, you're not going to refinance. You, yeah. th- this loan product, you're going to be in there until you sell it. You're you know, so, you ain't going anywhere. Yeah, at that point in time, <laughs> they're looking at, okay, the, the average person is going to hold on to this loan for 8 to 10 years. Okay, uh-huh. so there's a lot more value, you know, in that loan than where we're currently sitting at the market right now. The lender knows right now, this loan's only going to be out there for about a year, okay? Mm-hmm. So when they start looking at how much interest are you going to make over a year, not very much, yeah. okay? And so that means not very much. So that means the lender's not going to be able to make any yield spread on it as well. So that's why rates are higher, mm-hmm. okay? Because they know these loans are going to be refinanced in the next year. Well, and that's originating why... less of them, too. Yep. So yep. calculating all that in. Yeah. And to, to your point, that's why the adjustable rate mortgages was something you were pushing and selling because the yield spread was still good, right? Yep. And now it's not good. And that's why you're not selling it. It's not because the money's not going into your pocket. It's because what it translates into is a higher interest rate for the consumer. And so then it now it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make Most any sense. Definitely. You might as well just do a fixed rate and that's, there's no there's no advantage to it. That's exactly correct. Yeah. I have a question that brings us back to assumable mortgages because okay. the point I didn't <laughs> Whoa, hit. Oh, we're going full it circle. It was the amortization schedule. So you get... You oh, join in question. wherever that's at. The amortization, yes, you're you're taking over exactly where they left off. So mm-hmm. at that point in time, if they still only have twelve years on the mortgage, you're assuming that exact mortgage, your that exact amortization schedule. So you're walking in with question. a twelve year mortgage essentially. Yeah. So which means even though the whatever the loan amount is still the amount you were credited at closing, you are now probably 
well, not probably, you are paying more towards principal than interest. Most definitely. Yeah, because... You know, obviously, depending on how long this loan's been in effect, yes. you know. I more meant you're but... paying more towards principal than you would uh, if you were on day one of a 30-year loan. <laughs> Most definitely a yeah. drastic difference. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, there was a big point that I didn't bring up in that. So, um, do you do you have any more bombs for the market update to drop on us? No. no, but I was sitting here thinking about how people don't. You and I have talked about this quite a bit. People and and Trevor, you and I have talked about it also. People don't appreciate the front loading of interest on loans uh, nearly enough. To your point, I'm sitting there thinking, man, that would be beautiful if you can get rid of the the first four. Or, or in your that case, what sixteen years worth of interest? Like, oh my gosh, that'd be a dream scenario, right? Like, yeah, even if it's... even if the interest rate was eight percent, it almost wouldn't matter at that point because you've already paid most of the interest up front. And so, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're out there listening, wondering what the hell I'm talking about, when you pay for a mortgage or any loan that you get, the interest that you pay, most of the interest that you pay is pay. It's called front loaded because you pay more interest on your first payment has. A, Tons of interest, very little principal. Your last payment has tons of principal, very little interest. And it kind of goes from one, you know, gradually from one to the other. And to help them make understand, because that might confuse a lot of people of, well, why is it all front loaded and stuff? It's really not front loaded. It's just when they're figuring that interest out, it's based on the balance of your outstanding loan. So they recalculate that every, every month. single month. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, like John's talking about, your last payment, you know, of interest, you might only be paying $8 worth of interest on your very last payment on a mortgage, okay? Mm-hmm. Cuz at that point in time, your balance is what? Couple, you know, $1,000, 2,000 or whatever, you're paying very, very little interest. When you start off with that loan, you have your full balance. You're not paying a whole lot of You're principal. You're a percentage of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so. and, and that's not specific to mortgages. Specific. This is, that's, that's how loans that's, are structured. Yeah, loans are structured. Loans when you have a fixed monthly payment, that is just how the math works on a fixed monthly payment. You're paying 900 a month. And, you know, when the balance is so low, your percentage of that. <sighs> Is what goes towards principal. Exactly. <laughs> Snorting into the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> the um, that's exactly the reason why though I I'm I'm I have been for me a proponent and I have disregarded cash flow probably more than most <laughs> people do, and I've been a proponent of going to the 15, 15. 20 year. I mean, you know, my wife hates it. You know, when we went, we had to take advantage of some lower interest rates. I'm like, yeah, but. Like, I totally want to take advantage of these lower interest rates, but I've been paying on this darn house for 15 years. Like, you know, so let's do a 15-year note. And I I realize that in the 15-year note, I still have the same issue, the same problem that you just described. But at least I feel better about the fact that that I didn't just waste 15 years. You get there a whole lot faster. And, you know, that the amount that you're paying towards principal is a lot higher on a 15-year Starting off day one, then of course on a thirty year. If so I pay, the, the the people would think it, it's a misconception that the interest paid on that loan in a thirty year versus a fifteen is double, and it's not. It's, it's not double. It's but more than double. So. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> d- d- well, depending on where interest rates are at that let's, point. Let's let's do the math yeah. on that. Let, let, you want to do fun fun little thing because sure. you're good at math. I know you can do this. Okay, so if I bought my house for two hundred fifty grand. Uh huh. On a normal thirty-year amortized note, let's say I'm at six percent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. What, what's the estimated total interest I would pay over the life of the thirty-year note if I had it for thirty years? 
Um, interest rate wise around that, you're going to pay give or take about five fifty or so. Five fifty. So over twice what I paid for the home. So five fifty is the number. Now, what if fifteen years into that note, I stop and I refinance to another thirty year note and I do it again? Now I paid how much of that five fifty did I pay for that first fifteen years? And that five fifty, you're probably paying about three seventy five. We're doing some guessing. Yeah, but you're probably we're, not we're, too we're, far we're off. We're guessing about so three seventy five. Yeah. A good yeah. majority of it, yeah. I just paid, and now. I'm about to start over and do it again, 30 years. Maybe I took some cash out. Now I have a, I don't know, maybe I still have a $250,000 note because I took some cash out at 30 years, maybe even at a better interest rate. So now instead of 550, maybe it's only 500 or 450, somewhere in there. Whatever. Yeah, you're starting over. Starting over again. And if I do that again in another 15 years, now I paid 375. I paid another 300 to my second one. And I could just keep doing that. And these lenders are going, yeah, bring <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep doing, doing it. that. You're, you're pretty old at that point in time. Though, <laughs> yeah, <I mean. laughs> that's true. That's true. You can only do 15 years at a time so many times before you're dead, huh? <laughs> but it's worth considering that, that argument when you cash out, refi it, and bring that, that principal balance way back up too. So, Most definitely. Because now you're the balance you're paying that interest on is higher. <laughs> It's just something that people don't consider because people are so – we talk about this, Kyle. Investors are so short-sighted on their cash flow and they forget all the things that you've talked about, Trevor, that your appreciation matters. And, the, and homeowners, consumers are the same way. They get so wrapped up in their monthly payment and what they can do with their monthly payment by refinancing, they disregard the entire conversation we just had about you know their their interest and how much interest they're paying over the course of their owning real estate we've all done it we've all done what we just described every single one of us in this room probably done it but you know if you're conscious of it at least you um, reduce the amount of waste because that's what it is it's waste you're giving money away to save 20 or a hundred dollars a month you're giving money away to lenders well, it's all about education and stuff, and and so I pride myself on educating my borrowers, you know, on that, and that's partly what we're doing here right what now. A beautiful is segue. What a beautiful segue, <laughs> Trevor. Educating people is the knowledge is power, right? So. On that note, Trevor, I mean, I mean, Kyle, I think I think you should close us out after that. That was such a beautiful segue. I think that was a good. Well, if you want some education by Trevor Kerr with Gateway Mortgage, how do they get a hold of you? You can uh, call me anytime at 972-822-7408. There you go. And if you want to give us a call, we're happy to give you his number and 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email, show me the money at wertpm.com. And appreciate you guys checking in. Thank you, Trevor, for coming in. Thanks for coming, Trevor. Thanks for having me. We are out. Late.